week is social wellness and whenever we get into one of these subjects we always refer to the global wellness institute because they are the prominent force in you know all fields of wellness and they define social wellness as connecting and engaging with others and our communities in meaningful ways and it's interesting when you start to sort of break that down because that's not necessarily how i would say it or think about it i would more of in a layman's term, and I'm thinking about social wellness, it's just, what does that mean to me? That's connecting with friends, that's connecting with family, that's connecting with community. Sometimes just take it for granted. It's like a lot of these modalities we've been discussing about, take it for granted, don't necessarily always think about necessarily working on them. They just happen as part of your life. Sometimes you put effort into things, sometimes they just happen. Sometimes it's just part of your makeup and your DNA, how you connect with people. So it's always interesting to read things and then investigate when they're defined like that. So I know we've done our research and expanded a little bit further on that. So do you want to take us through that first piece of research? Yes, yeah, so researching what does it mean to be socially well? Being socially well means having a positive and fulfilling social life that contributes to the overall well-being. It involves forming and maintaining meaningful relationships, engaging in effective communication, and feeling a sense of belonging within your social circles. Social wellness encompasses the ability to build connections, navigate social interactions positively, and establish a supportive network that enhances your emotional and mental health. It doesn't necessarily mean having a large number of friends, but rather fostering quality relationships that contribute positively to your life. There's a lot to unpack there. It's interesting, isn't it? And there's there's many facets to it when you start to, to delve into it. And nurturing and working on, as we mentioned earlier, is really key to a lot of this. And one of the other key points to that, which is interesting, is it's not about this the size of the group of friends that you have in your life. It's about the quality of those relationships and how it's definitely a two-way street that you both can bring something to the relationship that helps and contributes in a positive way to our lives. So what we've done, and this is the, the theme of our recent podcast, is kind of break down areas into a bit more detail. So we, we've picked out 10 points that we feel encompass social wellness and there's a number of points within each of them and part of that we sort of want to relay our own experiences within those so number one is building and maintaining relationships and there's a couple of bullet points here cultivate meaningful connections with friends family and colleagues actively invest time and effort into nurturing those connections and foster trust through open communication and reliability so for us living now in america we don't have any family here our families come to visit yours more often than mine as they live here part-time so families are definitely more a big disconnect for us on a on a daily basis so we rely on facetime to connect with our families and i know during the pandemic my younger sister had two kids and we got to meet them over facetime which is incredible for technology obviously sad that we couldn't see them in person for um you know uh, leo was two and oscar was almost one before we 
we met them. But weirdly, they recognized us and we had an instant connection through the digital media that we were able to foster that relationship. So pretty fascinating now how technology can help us in those ways. Absolutely. The um, other point I wanted to touch on with that is you mentioned meaningful relationships. And I think that's really... It's really the key as well, like you were saying, it's not really about having a huge group of people. Obviously, having a large network is really helpful, and I think it's it's helping us with being socially well. But having these key relationships that are meaningful, that are the ones that support us, that you can trust, that nurture us, that help us in good times and bad times, I think that's a real key when I think about social wellness and relationships. The other point was actively investing time. I think that's important too, because when we spend time with people that mean something to us, it's really about making that quality time as well. And then thinking about generally about relationships, any relationship really, if it's between us, like a married couple, between family members, team members, our clients, it's really always about trust. I think that's really important. And then when we think about in the context of ourselves, it's really also important that we can trust ourselves, that we stick up to the things that we evaluate for ourselves that are important and really don't lie to ourselves because then ultimately we lose a bit of trust in ourselves, which means we can't love ourselves as much. We don't have as much self-confidence. So I think trust in any relationship is a really key part for the relationship to be healthy, to be growing, to be nurtured and to be really supportive and then leading to social wellness. Yeah, trusting yourself is really important, isn't it? Because if you have a friendship or a relationship with somebody and they break your trust or they continue to let you down or they're inconsistent or they don't support you like they said they would, after a while you would start to, you know, move away from them or stop relying on them so much. Yet we tend to do it with ourselves a lot. We often promise ourselves that we'll do something or we'll have the discipline to stick to some wellness initiative whether it's eating healthily or going to bed on time or working out yet we often break those rules consistently so we do let ourselves down constantly yet we can't get away from ourselves we you know we are who we are so it's interesting and really important I think to build that inner trust like you said and I think the more trust we have with ourselves it's probably better or an easier to then build trust with other people for me I sort of mentioned family again we're in the hospitality industry designers and architects and what we found is that that industry has become like a big giant family to us so when we travel to events uh, whether it's trade shows or specialty conferences that's like connecting people like one big family for us and it it's been incredible that definitely feels part of a void that's left behind by not having family here. So that's extremely important to us. The other thing that springs to mind for me is relationships can come and go. There's some relationships that last the entirety of your life, typically with family and deep, deep friendships. There's often times, though, when relationships are only for a chapter of your life and they can serve a purpose not that it's calculated in that way but just sometimes relationships naturally come to an end there's a change in personality we have different goals we outgrow each other we go in different directions and sometimes that's hard to deal with 
but I've definitely for myself got better at understanding that that's just part of life sometimes and it's not about taking it personally and it's really just to value that time you've had with somebody and shared those experiences and they're just not aligned anymore and therefore you're just not in the same same world but that also speaks to often in um, close relationships as the same thing as kind of moving or drifting apart a little bit. It's like what you're mentioning. That happens with any relationship, really. Looking at the second point, we're on effective communication in the context of kind of fostering and nurturing social wellness, which the points are here, develop good communication skills to express yourself clearly and honestly to avoid misunderstandings and develop active listening skills, showing genuine interest in other people's perspective. What interests me in that is really that sort of active listening, which comes down to being in a conversation, when you're in a conversation with someone, to really actively be there, to have full attention, to have no distractions. We keep going on about saying these days how technology disrupts us, take our attention away. So if you're in a conversation with someone and your phone goes off with all the notifications, it's very hard to really give that person that attention that it deserves. And I think that's really the key with active listening, because when you spend time with someone, they want to know that you are really listening to them, that there is an exchange that that builds like a true relationship and a friendship as well. And it's without sort of verbal disruptions. I think sometimes what's really hard in a conversation when you're engaged with someone and you have a thought jumps into your head, to maybe not necessarily jump on reacting to it and having more of a nonverbal reaction of a nodding and giving that person that understanding that you're listening to them, but you don't have to verbally express it. Body language, like an open body language, when we're in a conversation with someone and we're kind of closed off, it also feels like we're not really listening to them. That open body language really gives that person that comfort to open up and have an honest conversation. Sometimes in the deepest relationships with friends, family, partners, sometimes there's difficult things to talk about and it's really important. So open body language really gives the ground to be able to do that. And then again, patience and letting someone finish what they're saying goes a bit on what I was saying earlier about not jumping in, showing that you're actively listening, but you don't always have to verbalize it. It's key, isn't it? I think that is one of the best traits you can have in that effective communication is the ability to listen and genuinely listen we do often listen to respond and it's just about we're just listening 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 until it's our turn to speak but if you can really take the time listen to hear and then take the time to respond in a genuine meaningful way rather than it being your turn or trying to get your point across or trying to stand out in the group or however it may be i think that is key and i i think it's hard in this fast-paced world especially when we're trying to compare ourselves or you know stand out like i said from the crowd it's it's hard and people they don't listen and we're so distracted there's there's so many times we sit in meetings sometimes we're presenting to clients and there's just a lot of distraction going on people are consumed being bombarded by requests or information or um, disruption through you know phones and technology that it's hard to you know present and and garner somebody's attention for a long time so yeah it's hard 
it's a hard world and we see it when people are looking at you but they're not really listening you can tell that their eyes are and ears are really somewhere else and they you can tell also when somebody responds in a sort of slightly flat way that doesn't quite align with what you've just been saying it's just a a filler so i think that is a skill set that really has to and i have to do it because i'm like everybody i've got a million things going on in my head and something will distract me or even i know when we're talking sometimes you'll be saying something and it gets my brain going that i then go off into thought thinking about what you've said and then miss the second half of the sentence or the conversation so i really have to zone in on you yeah i mean knowing you that well i know exactly when that point happens but i feel like your consciousness around that has become a lot better i think the key thing with that is just knowing that these things is something we need to work on it's like having that awareness and that's then where we can actively make a change and and be more aware of it yeah having mindful is being mindful is yeah going back to some of the other pillars we've spoken about the last few weeks it's just having that mindfulness some of that just calming down calming the brain down the monkey mind that's going at 100 miles an hour so number three is join social groups uh, or do social activities uh, a couple of bullet points here participate in clubs classes or communities aligned with your interests hobbies and passions to expand your social network participate regularly to establish a sense of belonging and a shared interest opportunities to meet new people this is definitely a big one that resonates with me I have always been somebody that has been part of sports clubs. I love playing sport, both for the competition and fitness. But as much of it for me was being part of a community of like-minded people. I played field hockey in the UK for 20 plus years and was part of an amazing establishment and club in my hometown. And you know, built friendships, long lasting, deep friendships with a whole range of different generations. I mean, obviously, I was 14, 15 when I started. So I was one of the younger ones. By that time, you would have friendships or look up to people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. It really was a, a broad group of people and fostered relationships on a social level. It helped me and us with our first business in London. So it, it really was truly meaningful. And as much as I got out of it, I wanted to give back. It really was about being part of it. What can I do to, to maintain that? And the biggest element that I was able to give back was securing a planning permission to redevelop the whole sports club, um, planning permissions like rezoning in here in the United States. And it, it took a lot of people a lot of time to achieve that. And I was so glad that I could be part of that um, to now give that club a, a real defined future to see it flourish and grow with modern, amazing facilities is is so rewarding for me, even though I'm now very distant from it. When we moved to America, didn't really have that same connection. It was like I was looking around. I didn't play hockey anymore, wasn't um a fay with the american sports so much so i discovered crossfit and that was the same introduction to me i found a local uh club or gym and joined that initially yes to to you know develop fitness and those techniques get stronger 
but it really was part of it, a huge part of it, at least 50% of it for me was to find a community of friends to build our friends, which, you know, we didn't really have in our our first <clears throat> few months or year of, of moving to America. And one thing I did within that, I cemented myself very quickly. I volunteered to be sort of the club photographer as well. So I would do profile pictures of the of the um, coaches and I would take, you know, candid shots of the gym for their social media. And then when we did events, etc. And that quickly, very quickly allowed me to become, you know, part into, you know, very key part of the, the group very quickly. And we, we built an amazing group of friends and connections through that gym. So it, it's huge for me. And I've definitely found the benefits of that. It's been a go to for me. Yeah, having that community it was really making us feel home in a new country. That was really that important part of that. What you were mentioning in your kind of participation in social clubs, the two things that stood out to me, the way you were describing it is it's active participation. You were very active in that. You weren't just a member And then you decided to come or not come. It was literally every week you went and you contributed. Like beyond just being participating and attending in that sports, you gave more to that club and built that social network. And I think that's really important. I think often we can become members at clubs or like social circles, but then we are, sometimes we have too many of them and then we don't really participate and actively participate and contribute. And I think that that obviously doesn't lead to fulfillment and feeding that real support from the kind of social circle and the social clubs. So the way you were describing that, and I've I've really learned that a lot from you. The I've never grown up so much with a team sport. I've always been into ballet. Like early early on, I was learning ballet. You are practicing the crew, but ultimately it's still kind of very isolated, and it's kind of like really you honing in the skills and becoming better. It's not been a team sport, so the aspect of like social wellness through clubs, especially in connection with fitness, that's really something that you made open my eyes to, which I'm really grateful for. The other part I was thinking of is when we're talking about aligning ourselves with the same interests, what's interesting too is to attend clubs or be part of a social circle that is not in your comfort zone. That is something different. It's a different topic. It's different people you might surround yourself with. Because those things can spark new inspiration, new ideas. It's something that you necessarily wouldn't think about. It gives you new perspective. So I think especially when we talk about social wellness in business, I think that's a really important point is to get out of the comfort zone, expose yourself to something, a topic that you're not really familiar with, and then really get new ideas and interests through that. Yes, very true. And I think that we're at that point now because our CrossFit gym display Uh, closed down because of the owner moved away to, uh, to a different state which is a real shame for us so now I know I've certainly been searching for like what can I do next what is next um, I think part of this platform is that part of that for us as we start to build a community certainly here locally as we want to look to put on say live events within the Scottsdale community and start to build a network that way and I am interested, and I don't know what it is yet, but pursuing something new. And like you said, out of your comfort zone, maybe it's, I don't know, dancing or something. Your mum's always told us to take up dancing. So just trying something completely new. How about ecstatic dancing like we discussed last week <laughs> yeah, in we can, spiritual wellness? We can do it, yeah. 
but you're right it's finding that time and and making sure we're living building that community building those connections and not just being consumed by work at times and just you know being blinkered to what's going on out on around us when there's so much for us to gain by being part of that and also a lot for us to give Number four. Number four. So number four is setting boundaries. So when we talk about building, maintaining relationships, uh, creating social circles, social groups, within that naturally boundaries are really important in any relationship. And the points we got here, establishing healthy boundaries in relationships to maintain balance and well-being. And in both professional and personal life, setting healthy boundaries involves effective communication, mutual respect, a proactive approach to addressing potential issues. Yeah, they're both they're both great points. When I think about social boundaries, I didn't really have any growing up. I was just loved being around friends and people. That was just it gave me so much energy. It gave me security. It, it gave me a kind of love and connection. So I, I didn't really have any boundaries. It was just go 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 go. And then as you get older and you socialize, and that turns into you know, more of a, a, a um, activities around socializing with alcohol and things like that, that's when I could see it becomes detrimental. And I would never have sort of know where those boundaries were. I would never say no. It's just like, okay, we're going out again. And I, I loved it. But now, as I, I think we talked about last week, these kind of, as you mature or start to hit midlife, you start to listen to yourself a little bit more. And I know I'm perfectly happy to say no, not tonight and not worry that it's going to affect the relationship or be seen to be a party pooper or whatever it may be. It's like, no, I've got to do what's right for me. Still want to maintain that relationship. But just like you said, being being honest and, you know, trusting that relationship just to say not not tonight. This is I'm taking care of myself tonight. I've had a busy week. I've had a stressful week of work. It's not the time to go out and and party and compound that stress in a way what about boundaries in our work relationships with clients with um team members what if you kind of experienced in that and what what do you define as boundaries in that aspect boundaries we've always and it's it's in our handbook that we've you know one thing is just communicating out of hours we've always tried to maintain that you know, the weekends are generally off limits. We don't send emails at three o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night. Even if you're working that late, we schedule skinned it for eight o'clock the next morning. It's just setting some of those boundaries. Of, of course, we want to service our clients and be on hand. And whenever there's a an emergency or fire drill, we're always going to be available. But just setting those boundaries, because it's important for us to be able to do our best work. We have to be able to detach from work and recharge and and have a life outside of work. So I think it's really important. It's ultimately beneficial for our clients if we have that time to step away, recalibrate, recharge. And that trust, open communication, all the things we've just spoken about, it's just saying that, honestly, it's not detrimental to the project in the work anyway. It doesn't mean that we're not working hard or we're being lazy or we're suddenly un... Um, yeah unapproachable so that that's important and then we pass that on to our team as well same thing maintain that 
that same ethos and philosophy as it threads through our team within the office as well. Like the way we communicate with them or when we communicate is that's where we get the same boundaries of saying, okay, our email hours are typically between eight and five. And yeah. if there's something really important that needs to go out to either client vendors or even a team member, it's really thinking about there as a schedule send mode which is amazing on emails because if you need to get out of your app, you don't want to forget it, but you schedule it and send it the next morning and sending it off in the middle of the night. I think that's really important. It's obviously our own responsibility if we have notifications on on our phone or not, or if we check our work emails. But I feel like that's another level of boundary to ourselves and, and to the team too, where that really helps, I feel like, not to get drowned into the flood of information and communication and uh, being available 24-7 through technology. Yeah, I think when you you set yourself up being available, it's, it's very difficult because if you finish work for the day and you've got a plan for the next day, and then between, you know, if it goes late into the evening and you're getting bombarded by emails either from clients or consultants or even our own team members, it's very hard. You're you're trying to work whatever it might be, eight or nine hours a day, and yet that just extends it. So the first thing when you've got your plan for the next day is to tackle those items. You've suddenly built up a whole load of other um, contacts, commitments, um, requests from clients out of hours that then you've got to attack first that is a distraction before you can get to your to list so to do this for the day that you'd already previously set so it it becomes difficult it becomes this kind of vicious cycle so you've you've got to set boundaries but then you've got to be disciplined in how you you know set up your day set up your structure of how you you know how you work how you tackle things and having dedicated hours where you're focusing on emails and communicating and dedicated hours where for us we're focusing on design and project work and not getting just sucked in left right and center because of technology means you are contactable 24-7. Yeah, in a similar vein what we're kind of exploring in the studio as well is to understand when there's time for collaboration and when there's time for focused alone time because I think that's really important too. And something that we recently established within our team is that the mornings are really for a lot of communication, a lot of um, questions amongst us as a team with clients, meetings. So it's anything that's very active and that needs sorting out first thing. And then the afternoons, we're talking more about studio time now, where really we keep the afternoons free of meetings. We're setting those clear boundaries that that's the focus time. That's the time where we really want to dive into the creative process we want to develop things and sometimes people just need that time we need it our team needs it is to really just be involved in something enveloped in something and not have these disruptions i think that's a really important thing with boundaries too in the workplace especially in the creative field yeah and it's ultimately it's for the benefit of the project that's why we're doing it is it's just so we can work you know come up with better ideas have that time to be clear of mind and it, it's working well for us knowing that there's a lot of things to move and juggle in the mornings and answer and talk and sit down and meet and scribble and then you know digest all of that and then take it away into the afternoon and just have calm focused focused clear time I'm, i it was a great change that we made recently and i'm really enjoying it yeah ultimately boundaries are just really there for a relationship to be better, whatever that relationship is. Because I think setting clear boundaries 
shows kind of what works and what doesn't for either side. And it's not something that needs to be harsh, a harsh thing. I think it's just the communication of what works. And then it's really ultimately best for the for that relationship, whatever that relationship is. Yeah, absolutely. So number five. Can Actually, I sorry, I just couldn't want oh, to sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. I have just yeah. one more thing on a on a personal note, which was like we were looking at clearly communicating emotional needs and expectations when we're talking about that within the team, for example. But I think in the partnership as well, what it's good to always remember is like you can't read my mind. So it's really about clearly communicating. Okay. And um, and obviously the male female brain kind of working differently as well. So there's on a personal note, I don't know why that really came up with in context of boundaries, but I think it's more about clearly communicating and expressing um, emotional needs. Yes, no, it's super important, and <clears throat> we, it's, we there's a theme here. Everything, most of these things, we all need to work on them. We have to take the time. We have to almost set aside the amount of dedicated time to you know, either give each other space or come together and share anything that we want to share that helps foster a better relationship. So it's super important. I'll let you move on to five now. Yeah, number five, perfect. Empathy and understanding stroke compassion. This really touches a bit on some of the previous weeks and conversations as well. The bullet points here are practice empathy, understanding and support for others in your social circle. Cultivate empathy by putting yourself in others' shoes. Show understanding and support during both joyful and challenging times. It's very broad. It's something that I think you have to be conscious of. You have to often, I think, go below the surface. So we can, like we mentioned before, like sympathize. Oh, somebody's having a bad day. Oh, poor them. Or sadly lost a family member. There's a initial surface level sympathy but being able to go much deeper, um, that's where some of that, yeah, empathy, compassion, emotional intelligence comes in where you're really taking a step back. And like you said, I think putting the main one that jumps out of me there is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and understanding. Well, we don't always know. So sometimes when somebody is reacting in a negative way or seems to be troubled with something or is taking out their frustration on us or our team or whatever it may be sometimes it's just to have that moment to step back and sort of think hold on a minute not accepting it but just thinking you know what's going on in their world that's making them react like that and often we don't know but it's just it helps me take things like that not so personally it's just like okay this person may have just had a you know a bad morning for whatever reason yeah that's really important because when we think about nurturing and building kind of healthy relationships in for our social wellness. It's that understanding, like you're saying, is having that empathy and stepping in someone else's shoes because we are very easy to judge a situation or a person's behavior. But when you understand the context, it often makes you just realize why the person is doing the things or behaving in a certain way. So that's that's definitely really valuable. And then I'm whenever you were saying about joyful and challenging times, always thinking like with a marriage, it's in good times and in bad times. With any relationship, it's you celebrate the wins and you're there when something doesn't go really well. So I think the just being there for both is really important. It, it really is. And that's what makes a true rounded, solid relationship, whether it's, yeah, husband and wife or 
family member or or deep friendship. Number six, quality time with others and alone time. So we've got here, spend quality time with loved ones to strengthen your relationships. Prioritize quality over quantity in your interactions. Create meaningful shared experiences to strengthen the bonds with loved ones. Allocate time for self-reflection and personal recharge. Understand the importance of alone time for introspection, relaxation and maintaining a healthy mental state. So quality time, I think that's really important. And we touched on that a little bit earlier. It's when you're trying to be in too many places at the same time and you're committing to seeing either as a friend, a family member, anyone in your social network, and you are also kind of feel like you need to be somewhere else, you're only half there. And I feel like that doesn't serve any relationship if you can't really commit to it. And when you can't commit to it, sometimes it's actually better to say no or it doesn't work for me today instead of trying to do be half there, half in, half out. Because ultimately, that's not where we can really connect and where we serve anyone with our um with our not appearance what i'm trying to with our with just our energy our presence, of, a presence of, yeah. our presence of being there so that i think is really important the quality time then thinking about meaningful shared experiences when we talk a lot about what we create with wellness destinations is really that quality time you can have with your partner or family or friends by creating really meaningful experiences through travel and through the destinations you're going to. We were talking about transformational experiences last week. So these shared experiences together, that's really where relationships come closer together, where you talk for years about that experience, about that shared moment. And it's where the emotions come in because that experience really evokes an emotion and you connect a lot with that emotion in your memory that, yeah and that's something actually last week when we spoke about the doing the temascal in mexico one thing we didn't mention was that we did it with your sister and also your 80 year old mum, which is phenomenal for her to take part of that but it's true we talk about it now two years later it's something we all reminisce on and and discuss and that and that was quality time for us because we don't see each other that much it was an opportunity for us all to meet in one destination and have a lot of relaxing time you know just in a kind of beach resort but then do some of these different and yeah um experiences that help us grow or challenges and as we discussed they were challenging but you know we grew from that so i mean it's super important I mean, talking of relationships, anything where you can bring generations together and have a real shared memory with any generation together, like from like you were saying, it was me, my sister, my older sister, my mom, and it was just really, it was just really cool to share that. And that, that's an interesting one because we know we were recently at the Global Wellness Summit, and they were talking about multi-general general generational wellness destination so it's catering to families now going taking part in wellness experiences rather than husbands or wives and groups of you know girlfriends typically going to you know say spa destinations and how can you design those and cater to yeah a whole family from you know grandchildren parents and grandparents it's fascinating i know there's there's a big resurgence now of you know, the old kind of style of public bathhouses. And that's one of those environments where it can cater to 
the whole generation that you can experience together. So there's definitely this shift to meaningful connection and it's multi-generational. Yeah, the importance with that is that wellness, the younger the the younger you are, you can start the better really because it's, it's especially when we think about younger generations, teenagers, there's just so much going on in our world and fostering that mindfulness, that connection, being aware of all those pillars and dimensions that we're talking about really early on really sets you up to a much more successful and fulfilling life, I believe. Yeah, it really does. And then the other thing that you mentioned then was alone time. And alone time, I think, is really important. I think for me personally, alone time, I then fill it with other distractions, whether that's, you know, learning something, reading a book, watching a YouTube video, listening to a podcast. And I think I need to work better on finding true alone time or time away from all of that stimulation, even though it's beneficial. There are there is a need within oneself just to be completely free of of anything that's stimulating to a degree, unless it's more being stimulated by you know, a meditation or mindfulness or something out in nature. And I mentioned before that I love photography. So that really is something that I want to practice more of and, you know, be very much when I'm walking around taking photographs, it connects me very much to the place. It's very much in the moment and it's very much connected to where I am. And you're really looking, you're taking the time to look at the architecture, look at the people around you look at the nature that's you're surrounded or bathed in so that's something that I know I could work on more and it'd be a a moment of alone time but um, alone time that's kind of really connected with where I'm at in in the world and also a place in time when it comes to alone time I feel I really know myself very well on that because I love to socialize I love people but I know that I need the time alone to recharge, to not be amongst other people's energies and thoughts. And like you say, either it's reflecting or it's just really chilling out and just stepping away, just being with yourself and being content being by yourself. I've always been someone that needed that alone time. I know some people have a hard time being alone and sometimes there's more of a compromise of being with someone where the relationship might not necessarily be really nurturing or giving, but it's the fear of being alone that you rather than compromise and are with someone that is not necessarily really helping each other. For me, alone time is really important. And you know that sometimes I really tap out when it's just too much social interaction. I literally tap out of something where normally it's something really exciting but if i know my glass is too full if i'm i just have to relax and come down then i just completely take that time out for myself yeah you've definitely got a good understanding of yourself and you know know where your thermometer is on that i typically haven't and i've always been somebody like i mentioned just really enjoyed being around other people that's where i got my energy from and wasn't as comfortable just being alone with my own thoughts or you know kind of entertaining myself to a degree so it's definitely we're very different from that point of view uh, but I it's I keep saying it's coming with age of understanding that alone time is really really important okay number seven uh, we're jumping into conflict resolution 
So we're saying learn constructive conflict resolution techniques, focus on finding solutions rather than dwelling on the problem, and approach conflicts with a willingness to understand different perspectives. The big thing I that jumps out to me when we were researching this and putting this together was about around forgiveness. And I know I've had times where I've held on to a grudge or or not wanting to forgive somebody as if in somehow it was punishing them. But what I've learned to understand is through both through coaching and just sort of going through the process is that when you don't forgive somebody, it's really ultimately damaging yourself because they may be completely oblivious to it. It may be somebody that you're not that close to and they've hurt you in some way in the past and they're just carrying on with their life. If you're holding on to that and not forgiving them, you are constantly damaging your damaging yourself it's you who's getting angry it's you who's internalizing it it's you getting frustrated with them and the world or or whatever it may be so it's really important to forgive but to forgive in order for yourself to move on and not carry that burden it doesn't necessarily mean that you condoning what happened to you or what they did to you but it's important for yourself to in order to be able to move on and not carry that baggage and cause yourself that damage is what I understand for myself and I think it's it's fairly universal obviously there's very degrees of what somebody could have had done to them and so I can't speak to that but it it's uh, it's really important forgiveness and that note one thing I want to share that we both experienced and got exposed to I think over the last year is a Hawaiian practice for forgiveness and healing and that's really something that you can do when words are too much in a situation or when everything's been said and words just keep digging deeper and deeper or there is just no possibility to be face to face with that person and have that real conflict resolution face to face it's kind of an energetic practice that's called um, ho'opo'ono and it's it's a Hawaiian practice like I mentioned and it's really first of all recognizing your part in a situation as well because when we're talking about conflicts there's always two sides to the story. No matter how thin you slice it, there's always two sides. There's always something, even when we feel like a lot of injustice has been done to us, there's always a part of us that has been part of that situation. So the idea of that practice is to, first of all, acknowledge that. And then it's like um, four sentences. It's like a little mantra that you repeat over and over. And it's, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And you repeat these sentences. And even when you have a hard time maybe connecting with the I love you, what helped me is that if you connect, when you're really kind of upset with a person, if you connect with more their being than their behavior, when we connect with the being, that's ultimately going into what we discussed before, the heart space and connecting on the different level where forgiveness really is possible. And I've tried it before. I had a situation where I reused it and it's been really something where I couldn't really talk to the person where words didn't make any sense and I've been practicing over and over. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And you go into this kind of, yeah, sing, sing mantra energy and then that person reached out to me out of nowhere. So it's really, it's, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. It really, it's something that I've really used and I feel like just really wanting to share because it's such a powerful tool. No, it really was. And I can absolute testament to that, that you were really struggling with that situation and you did embark on that 
you know, that practice. And it really literally was the same day or the next day that that person reached out to you and it was all resolved and the relationship is mended and it's all back together. So it's incredible. It's, yeah, it truly is powerful. I mean, communication is always key, but sometimes words just don't work at the time. And then it's it's just from your heart space, you can do it with your mind and like energetically connect. That goes back to what we were saying last, week about um, you know wellness traveling going to destinations where this ancient and indigenous techniques and practices are still prevalent and learning from those people that are still you know culturally rich using those uh, modalities and really really learning them there's so much out there and that's it's it's fascinating when you when you tap into that and and really understand it and actually that Ties into cultural awareness, which was serendipitous. Actually, I think we skipped one. We skipped the digital balance, unless you want to move to the cultural awareness first. No, no, no. Because it is a little bit more that connection. Yeah, you you lead whichever way you want to go. Sticking to the the numbers. Stick to the list. (laughs) So the next one we got is digital balance. Manage your online interactions and ensure a healthy balance between virtual and in-person connections. Prioritize face-to-face connections. Set boundaries for screen time to avoid potential negative impacts on your well-being. So when I hear that or listen to that, when I think about yeah, managing online interactions, that was very much going almost back to what I started with of having that connection with our families and my family and our nephews who we can only really speak to the majority of the time through FaceTime, which has been incredible. And that like I said, really, it's it cemented a bond and a relationship that I didn't think was possible that we now have. And when we met them in person, it wasn't the first time of meeting each other. It really was a, a deep connection. So found that fascinating. When it says set boundaries for screen time to avoid potential negative impacts on your well-being, do you think that's relating to just general screen time or is that in sense of the relationship? It could be both because we spoke about that generally stepping away from the screen has so many benefits because it is, especially when you think about social media and digital balance and in context of social wellness, it's when you're too much in that space of non-reality, it's very hard to sometimes decipher what's real, what isn't, especially when you're looking at people's posts and feeds. Um, often it's, and it's, of course, it's nice to look at to see positivity, but positivity is not always the reality. And it's very hard to distinguish sometimes between what real, what's real and what isn't. And on that same note, when we think about digital balance is in context of relationships and social wellness, it's also distinguishing, like you were saying, are we still somewhat face-to-face? Are we as close to a personal connection and an interaction like in real life where we, it's, the same timing, it's live, it's, you're showing your face, you're on camera, or is it something where you're hiding behind another persona and it's just more written words, you're part of a community, no one really knows who you are, which in that case, it's much easier to say things, to, let's say, hurt people, to portray something that ultimately doesn't really give you that connection. I think the the balance is really where the global presence is really amazing and having that outreach and connection to the to people worldwide not to forget that the person interaction is 
is so important because it's such a difference when you're standing in front of a person, when you receive their energy, when you receive their reaction, when you're saying something, especially when it's a more of a confrontational conversation and you're saying something that's not that easy to say. You can't hide behind the screen and behind your words. You see what impact that has, what you're saying to the person. And that skill and then really feeding the person, seeing the energy exchange, the reaction, I think that's really important. That's why the screen time or digital balance really comes into play with social wellness because we're losing our social skills, I believe, as well. I think you're right. We are losing our social skills and especially in business when, you, yeah, there's maybe a conflict and you need to address something. I often find that emails get completely misconstrued. How you read an email, you've got no real idea of how the intent of the email was written and you can completely misconstrued. You start questioning, like, how is that? Are they criticizing us or are they angry at us? Or is there some sort of you underlying tone in there and only to find out not at all when you have a conversation with somebody? I much prefer picking up the phone and just dealing with it, you know, quickly in, you know, short resolution and try and resolve the problem then go through a whole chain of emails back and forth where there can be a lot of misunderstanding. Like you said, the conversation isn't necessarily in real time. It's got a break between emails being sent. Going back to more on the social side, it's it's also very hard digitally to have social interactions that doesn't have some sort of digital element to it, whether you're meeting at somebody's house or you're going out for the evening, there isn't a TV on or a sports game on or people aren't distracted and glued to their phones. It's, it's very hard to have really deep, meaningful connections and conversations. You almost have to purposely say, we're going to go and do this and this is the kind of rules of engagement. We are not going to be on our phones and we're not going to be watching the ball game or whatever it might be and we're really just going to catch up and chat and i think that is a lost art and i i i think like you said socially we're we're losing that skill set and it's probably impacting the younger generation way more than it, it does us yeah for sure yeah yeah for sure going now to number nine that you were so excited about to dive into earlier the cultural awareness Educate yourself, educate yourself about different cultures, fostering understanding and appreciation of diversity, embrace cultural sensitivity in your interactions and promoting inclusivity and respect. Yeah, this is really important in a, you know, a fragmented world that we live in that there's a lot of, you know, divide through different religions or countries or politics or whatever it may be. I think we exist in a world where, you know, growing up in Europe, myself in England and you in Germany, there was a lot of diversity where we lived. I, you know, went to a school where there was every type of ethnic background um, represented. It just that was normal to me and, you know, made friends of every every background, which was, you know, fascinating. Didn't see it as anything other than normal. When we had our first office in London on Old Street, we used to go for lunch every down uh, every day to Whitecross Street, and I remember it was like a candy shop for food because the whole street was lined with artisan vendors that sold every kind of food from around the world, whether it was Indian curries or Vietnamese food or Italian or Spanish or you know English or whatever it may be. We had this 
this amazing array of smells and choices every day for lunch, which wasn't great on the waistline, but it was, you know, it was amazing. And it was just that melting pot of different cultures coming together, people sharing through food, feeding people, which, you know, so important in so many cultures. So that, that was fascinating. And then when I think for us in the hospitality industry, hotels really, you know, you're accepting guests from all over the world. So hosting people from different cultures is, you know, super important to be able to understand those, how you deal with different people's needs, different people's backgrounds, um, having an understanding, or even when you don't have an understanding, going back to some of those things we said earlier, putting yourself in their shoes or just trying to understand where they may be coming from. And I think that's what we find fascinating about designing hospitality projects, whether it's hotels or restaurants or wellness destinations, is catering for all kinds of different variety of guests, whether we just mentioned earlier it's multi-generation or it's multicultural. And that's that's really exciting for us, exposing some people to a completely new experience that they may not experience in their own countries is amazing. I like the way you're describing your love for being exposed to different cultures. And I feel like that really connects us when I think about being born and raised in Germany, my mom being German, my dad being North African, there's already kind of a double culture in me than having lived in Germany, moving to the States briefly, moving back to, or moving to England, meeting you there and living there for seven years, being exposed to the English culture, then moving to the States, us having been here for 10 years. It's really fascinating to understand cultures. And I think it's really important when you're in a country, at least from my perspective, I think it's really important to expose yourself and also not compare because it's just different cultures. It's just different ways of doing things. It's different ways of communicating. It's really appreciating that there's different ways people are used to eating, doing business, socializing, and just really seeing what else can I learn from that difference in the culture that I would not have been exposed to had I never left or had I never traveled. And then just really seeing how can that add to my cultural background, my experience. I personally love, and I feel in me, I have so much fusion of culture through my heritage background, through living in different places, being married to an Englishman. I just, I love it. So I feel like I'm really culturally aware and very open about that. And it just gives me a lot of insight and a lot of con being connected and feeling connected to a lot of people around the world and generally to a, a lot of people that we come across. So I, I, for me, I think that's really important. And when we think about concept of social wellness, that cultural awareness just really fosters relationships with anyone. You can build a relationship with anyone. You can build a relationship when you don't speak the same language. It's just that it's a different energetic exchange um, but that gets me really excited. Yeah, it's fascinating when you mentioned the world there. The world has got so small over the last, you know, couple of decades with the ability to travel so easily. And now with the connection through the Internet and social media that everything's laid out for you. There's no excuse in a way to not be able to, you know, understand, even if at surface level, different cultures. So, yeah, it's a... It's a small world, but sadly, in many ways, is is very divided. So it's um, yeah, it's just 
taking a step back at times and just trying to trying to understand or just taking the time to to think well on that note i think we can dive into our last point which is really important it's self-reflection so reflect on your social interactions and continuously work on personal growth with relationships embrace feedback and be open to adapting your social behaviors as needed when i think about self-reflection like you were saying even reflecting on the topics the kind of nine topics in context of social wellness we just spoke about often we're just so busy with growing learning moving forward that we don't take enough of the time to just stop and reflect of what we've just done what we've achieved what things mean to us but reflecting is so important because it really shows us what works and what doesn't in any part of life not just with the social wellness and relationships it's just really understanding what makes us happy what doesn't what fulfills us what doesn't and knowing what are the other steps i can take then how can i pivot and maybe change a little bit my behavior and my understanding of things so self-reflection in any aspect is really is really key and it's interesting in context of social wellness just being aware of your social abilities and how you interact with people and just maybe sometimes reflecting on if times there might be times where you don't have as many people in your life and you just maybe just reflecting on if there's something else that you're putting out there or you're doing that doesn't necessarily attract that many people to you so that self-reflection is is really, really powerful yeah and like it you know we mentioned here it's working on things it's a constant it's a constant journey of getting better it's growing it's evolving it's learning it's it says here about you know getting feedback different interactions like we mentioned we've grown up and lived in different parts of the world we now live in the united states that takes a different understanding of of cultures how to communicate with people so their skill sets are developed having that empathy um, compassion you know all of those contribute to a well-rounded approach to to dealing with different people different social interactions i've always been somebody through my life that is because friendships and community meant so much to me i've always been able to fit in really well to many different situations and had a skill set where i've always been able to communicate with people like i said of all age groups whether i was talking to you know a 12 year old or a 70 year old at the at the sports club or times in you know a different phase of my life where i was you know at times rubbing shoulders with the social elite in london to then to my friendships of people um from ethnic backgrounds in london it's just a whole mix and melting pot and didn't see anything else than these were just phases and times of my life where i adapted and and could you know communicate in those circles and it was quite diverse at times but just found ways we always talk about being a bit like water don't you we're able to flow and navigate like water does in a stream and and have those interactions it's it's super important adapting and embracing like we were saying embracing what we might call as or negatively call as differences differences it's not really about differences it's just more about embracing to be exposed to something else than what you're known i think that's really important it really is important and it's just never-ending all of these things is just a never-ending journey and I know we're fascinated by 
constantly trying to improve or get better or get a richer, deeper understanding of a lot of these modalities or gaining additional knowledge. And we mentioned last week about gaining knowledge and then sharing it. There's no point holding on to it. Um, that doesn't make you smart. You know, holding on to knowledge isn't what makes you smart or intelligent. It's your ability to be able to share it and give it back out to the world. So this is so much what this platform is about for us. It's about gaining and sharing, gaining and sharing. And I know we're super excited as we start to bring guests on in the new year to really, you know, for us selfishly, we're going to be gaining knowledge from what they communicate with us, but looking forward to hearing what they've got to share with the, you know, the broader community. It's uh, very exciting. Yeah, I like to explore that social awareness today because when we think about the word social, there's always things that jump into our head about being social, socializing, people, relationships. And everything we kind of spoke about is sort of, I think, in everyone's understanding in head, but to verbalize it, to really talk about the building and maintaining relationships, effective communication, joining social clubs and activities, setting boundaries within that, empathy and understanding for others, quality time versus alone time and the importance of both, conflict resolution before things get too strong, before things are too late, digital balance, really important in our times now, cultural awareness, and then the self-reflection, all of those. I don't think before I've ever really consciously thought about those aspects to the point of that. So for me, I feel it as a real it's a yeah, real awakening in a sense. It really is. And some of it's instinct, I think, isn't it? You, a lot of it's in our DNA, just naturally do some of these things. But as you research and start to dive into them, it really light bulb moment goes off at times. You're like, okay, actually, I really need to work on this a little bit better. Or I could get better at this. And that would make my life richer and more fulfilled. We know that through a lot of the other talks we listen to and networks that we're part of that there's a real loneliness epidemic out there in the world and building community is so important where we've never been so connected through social media and technology yet everybody is alone connected yet alone which is a oxymoron it doesn't make any sense but it, it's really happening out there and yeah helping build communities with shared visions and shared goals and shared purposes is, is is fascinating to us and the probably the three or four things that have jumped out of me from doing this exercise was yeah needing to find really a new connection through a new club or social engagement that's kind of broad and and maybe like you said something that pushes outside our comfort zone i know i need to manage my kind of digital connection and spend more time like I said maybe doing my photography and then definitely listening and listening to hear and not listening to respond or just because there's so many other things going on that when I'm present I'm not really present I'm just there but you know my mind is somewhere else so I've got stuff to work on which is exciting we all do that's yeah. why we're here that's we why we're are. sharing that journey perfect well great discussion and I guess as always, I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week.